Welcome. 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 To views from the bridge. 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 This season, it seems like it's been Philly versus everybody. Do we want to be a good team or do we want to be great? Shabelka. Back to Fontana again. Good ball, Matt Riel. Good combination. Shabelka. Back for Shabelka. He'll see now. Shit. What a goal. Oh, boy. And he dips the old on your bike. Ten years of calling. I want you to take the field and remember two things tonight. Number one, this is our house. And number two, this is now our conference. It's Philly or nothing. Hey everybody, welcome to Views from the Bridge. But I mean, you knew that you were listening because of the intro. Um, anyway. I always think that's weird that people introduce <laughs> podcasts after it's a whole intro about what the podcast is you called. You are so like, right. Hi, you're that. listening to this. Um, but I've done that for, for many, many years on various platforms. So, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Hiya. Uh, your host, mathematically proven to be most of the time, speaking to you currently, um, and also opining ever so slightly on the podcast format. Evan Valella here. Hiya. Good to see you. Um, before we talk about uh, many things that happened in Union World or are maybe happening in Union World, I have a couple of my friends to introduce you to. Uh, you know them, you love them, you heard their voices in the intro too. It's Justin Ashcraft. What's up? How you doing? Uh, you know, surviving. Very hard to plan a bar crawl in COVID world. It, that is true. You know, um, as irresponsible as that may sound, sometimes when you have two days off in a row, you just want to go and not have to do anything mm -hmm. and drink and we're trying to plan that i've got some truly mango lemonade mm. oh that is fire yeah, i gotta pick up these lemonades you've been hyping since... them up two two weeks in a row now and i i really ever since you brought it up last week about. i was like dude yeah I, i'm totally on board with it it is kind of different from the spike seltzers like they treat yeah. it as like a different I guess variety of spike sure. drink, but big fan, big fan to say the least. It, it's a uh, lemonade for sure. It's just totally different from like Mike's or something mm, like that. Yeah, oh. yeah. And uh, also joining us, the voice that you you heard, the Seltzer King himself. Uh, the visual joke on the audio podcast this week is that we are looking at him from, I'll call it his eyebrow level. And a very hard close-up. It's Paul Catrino Jr. That's right. You're all you're, you're getting a good, good, nice view here, guys. Yeah. Hope you appreciate it. I am drinking Wild Basin uh, yeah. Seltzer. It is the lemon agave hibiscus. And I am it, going to back up and say I missed a really terrible opportunity for a joke. I could have said uh, tonight it's views from the bridge of his nose. Paul yes, Jr. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yeah. I, just crouched up here and in my bedroom. I, uh, I, I will say, Paul, I had some wild basin lime for dinner, and I didn't quite finish it, so I threw some in with the Truly mm. when I put it in. Ah, the, very nice, very the, nice. Com so, compliments each other well. I yeah, do like yeah, their yeah. lime, for yeah. sure. Uh, so, gentlemen. Oh, wait, no, my health tip for this week. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yes, 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 very important. If yep. you are afraid to go on bar crawls, there is an option you can do, which I have taken the liberty of doing, and just okay. build a bar in your backyard, and That's then true. you can crawl to your living room later. Your bar. 
In theory, yes, it is open 24-7, it's just you might wait. And you are in a up. different town than the one that I currently am based in. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So you would travel for it. Yeah, yeah. It, me- it meets both the criteria. I just don't know about the service, to be honest. I didn't see any yelling. It's dog shit. Yet. It's me okay, behind the great. bar yelling, what do you want? I hope you brought it. Put it Put it in the mini fridge <laughs> You don't want hard seltzer? Too bad! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually have a health tip for this week. Um, sure. My health really? tip for this week is um, get some sleep so you actually show up to the podcast time. Oh, oh wild! That's really yeah. Get some sleep so you make your appointments. Chuck Booth, where are subtle, you, my dude? But, uh, yeah, not joining us today because he's cranky and needed a nap like a toddler. Chuck Booth. If if we somehow go off the rails at some point, we are reading yeah. messages from him frantically going, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Let me in the yeah, podcast, yeah, please." And right we're just gonna be as like, soon as we no. do the, the outro, is he'll be like, "Oh my god, I'm coming," and then we'll just not be here. <laughs> Speaking of not being here, um, in some union adjacent but not related news, Frank DeBoers decided to try to play like Crystal Palace with a bunch of Argentinian attackers, and he got fired, so he's no longer in charge. Rightfully so. I mean, the way he utilized Pity Martinez in that... Which was Atlanta's... by not utilizing him. Exactly! Yeah. <laughs> good, uh, good riddance. Super, and super fun... sub South American player of the year. Pity Martinez. Yes, 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 yes. Must be nice to have when you can just bring him off your bench and offer nothing to a game because you're already so behind and disjointed. Yeah, And he's uh, still no not wins, as good no as Elsinio off the bench. In the tournament, which is wild. Yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, you don't have Yosef Martinez, but good lord. That is not a cheap team. Not not in the slightest. Uh, hey, but, you know, uh, the Union did move on after a 1-1 draw with Orlando City, which I don't think any of us really considered to be a thing. Uh, I mean, the talking point of the night is yeah. two different penalty shouts yeah. uh, well, now, I guess uh, one penalty shout and one hey that was absolutely a foul before the Orlando player got the ball and maybe yeah. shouldn't have had the chance to score that goal in the first place mm. uh, that was horrendous at the end of the game okay. uh, especially because I understand the concept of people's arguments being well they're always looking at the VAR screen like constantly. Okay, but if you blow the whistle and end the game, which they did 1 minute and 22 seconds after the initial play happened, then you just can't go back and look at it. Right. Period. Right. Not to mention the one prominent camera angle that was utilized in the replay was not clear and decisive to begin with. So, you must ha- go to other camera angles and see yeah. if you get this call right because it cost the Union two regular season points in a very stacked Eastern Conference that yep. will not be easy to win by any means. But I would like to say that I am not too mad about it because the Union are now placed in a group, the latter with, I believe, the New England Revolution, who will be playing in the knockout round, and the winner of... Uh, Another game that I'll look up frantically real quick. But meanwhile, Orlando City's placed on the other side of the bracket with the Montreal Impact and then get the winner of the LAFC game and whoever they're going to slaughter, which is, is the defending champion Seattle Sounders. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, good God. It's the winner of the Philly-New England game gets the winner of, I'll just say, they get Sporting Kansas City. 
Uh, yeah. Because yeah. them are the white caps and like. Mm-hmm. Which isn't a terrible outing. Like, it's not um, a terribly difficult road to no. go ahead on. But And in the bottom half of the bracket is Toronto FC and New York City and Portland and Cincinnati. Okay, so obviously Toronto, but Toronto I am really Portland. interested in what Portland and Cincinnati have to offer because they have been impressive in the tournament so far. Um, you would like to assume that LAFC, even without Carlos Vela, is just going to run ship on whoever they desire. So it sets up pretty nicely for the Union to have a progressively harder road as they go on, but yeah. not too difficult to get to where they need to be. That said, that Orlando game was not easy to watch. It was no. it was not very clean by any measure. Um, the mis- the midfield looked pretty disjointed and pedestrian, except for Brendan Aronson. Um, Backline got picked open pretty easily, and exactly what Orlando set out to do, they did. They they put a bunch of runners forward. They had their midfielders making runs into the boxes. Meanwhile, the Union just kind of sat back and hoped that uh, Sergio Santos would get on the end of everything, and he got freaking bullied all game long in the box because he was surrounded with no help. Wasn't pretty. I mean, there's a couple things, right, from... from, And it's hard. (laughs) Sorry, guys, we lost audio, so we have already talked about this Miami game, and, and we can't even... I can't even remember what we talked about, but... I mean, I think... When you look at, when you look over the course of a season, like an actual season, when you look over the course of an actual season in any three game stretch, if you can do two wins and a tie, yeah. you're taking that every time. Like, yep. oh, without just, question, there's just no, there's no doubts about that. And right, so I think, I I'm happy. I'm very happy as to where the Union sit right now. I think, it, like, we did what we needed to do against Miami. Mm-hmm beat a team that we definitely should beat who seems to have no uh yeah they don't really plan plan or (laughs) purpose style yes yeah they have no style no plan no purpose front jersey sponsor that too um that would have fixed all their problems you're right (laughs) clearly (laughs) um so we did what we had to do there and then i think orlando like i think in in this situation presented to us right you go through as the number one team and you play a harder side of the bracket, even before we knew all the details, we knew that potentially finishing in first place could actually end up being a harder side of the bracket. And then you, or you end up in second place and you play generally an easier side of the bracket, although your first game is at 1030. So, I mean, I don't, necessarily and it doesn't even though it is a regular season game it doesn't feel like a regular season game so i think it's hard to like get up for this game right but i think two observations for me one is you seriously miss the presence of el brujo in this game which i don't know how that's possible two games into his starting regimen for the philadelphia union that two games in you're already missing him and can't figure out how to play without him so <laughs> that would be one and then two andre blake my word we yeah. finally is got a vintage performance from Andre Ugh. Blake. Jeez, he was saving everything. When he got that double save against, uh, yep. uh, I forget who the first shooter was in Mueller, yeah. and then he just dove, like, dove on top of Mueller's feet and just stuffed that ball. I was like, okay, okay, Andre uh, Blake this, is back. 
the save later on in the game where the ball was like actually a few inches behind mm. him and he was able to get a hand to it, I thought was superhuman. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's so funny because we are so just desensitized to seeing Andre Blake do those things. And last year we had some issue with his decision making. And there was still no doubt that he was a great keeper, but to watch mm-hmm. the level he's performing at right now, I, I mean, chef's kiss, it's like dude. He heard like us he talking is talking about him and was like, "Oh, yeah, I have games to tell it's you." It's almost to go like Philadelphia Union okay. players listen to views from the bridge. I mean, like, uh, who would have thought? But I will, I will absolutely give it to Andre. He is, without question, setting himself apart as the biggest asset you could have at the goalkeeper he... position in this league. At the at the very least, he is having a good tournament when a lot of other goalkeepers that are on or perceived to be on his level have or have had bad ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've seen a lot of regression and a lot of mistakes. And and that's not. I don't think you can just say, "Oh, those guys are bad now," because it's a <laughs> no, very no, no, goofy no. thing for everyone to be doing. But for him to be able to play like that in this scenario is a very this guy has the clutch gene thing to have yeah and, and this has definitely been a weird tournament for goalkeepers i think especially yeah. the 9 a.m games you're playing yeah. well one, one of the goals is in the middle of the sunlight so right. you're having to fight against that too so i think you know and i think even the eight thirty eight o'clock game like the it's 10 30 like okay it's also part of that. So I think, you know, and, and these guys are rusty, too. It's not like they've yeah. played soccer at all over the last four months. So they've had to, like, kind of reacclimate themselves three games in. So it's, you know, it's it's difficult for keepers to respond to that situation. But I think Andre Blake has done a fantastic job at that. Uh, I mean, I would say that this is not speaking from someone with a lot of goalkeeper experience. I played for a couple years. I would imagine it's the easiest thing to train for in an isolated environment because you can have those deflected balls and you're making the saves like that. You're not really having to run super long distance and uh, conditioning in that regard. But I mean, just to see the level of sharpness and the reactions at which he's jumping at these, it's almost, Mm -hmm. if you were to slow it down, you would be like, there is no possible way I could even deduce that a shot is going into that top left corner. And by the time I even notice that it's going that way, it's already past me. Like, Andre Blake is just ahead of the curve. And it, it seems like he always has been. And we took that for granted last season and really did rip into him in regards to how he was preparing to handle a shot. But now when the shots are coming, it doesn't even matter because he's there. And it's not even an after... I didn't expect anything to go in past Andre Blake in that Orlando City game. And I don't blame him for that goal going in in that Orlando City game. Um, There's simply nothing he could have done. But to have him bail out a back line that is still trying to figure out what their best center back pairing is and you're hindered at the defensive midfield position because El Brujo brings so much physicality and can mark those running those runners into the box and you have Ray Gaddis on your team that's a lot for a goalkeeper to deal with in a game and it's just he didn't lose his sharpness 
at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So prop, props to Andre. It, it really is nice to just have something that you don't even have to think about in a game. Like you don't have to worry about it in any capacity. It's just he's there. He, he's there, and you can be okay with that. It's so fun. It's, this is just continually cracking me up about Ray. I was thinking about Ray this week. I was trying to, like, <laughs> I was trying to just put Ray in perspective, right? I think what's hard about Ray, right, I think for so long as a Union fan base, mm. we have been, like, we've been longing for a good team. Like, we, like... We've had good players at times. There's been players that have shown up. You know, you go through the list of players that have been good for the union at times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then I think about some of the players who have played right back for the union. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think we had a, I mean, Shannon, but other than that, you know, we had Keegan for a, two years, a year apart from each other. But I think, like... You, you could look at Wignaldum. Has just a failed experiment at that yeah, yeah. position. For yeah. sure. For sure. I think there's just so much. But right like Ray is Ray is a professional soccer player. Like he's not the best soccer player out there. He's not he's not the electric right back that we would all love to see. But I think the reason we all like despise him at times is because he's obviously like regressed as to far as far as his place on this team. Like like years past there's other players that we can look at it on this team and go oh you're terrible like you are actually yeah. a terrible <laughs> yeah. soccer player yeah, 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 it's yeah. like ray looks decent but then on this team it's like ray <laughs> what is happening man you gotta put it together but it's not like he's regressed at all it's just the team around him has gotten like so much better than what he is or has been the bar has absolutely been raised for the Philadelphia Union standard of play. And you have to give credit where credit's due to him as a professional, as in, he's been there, and he can be sturdy at times, and that's great. But the way that the Union want to play does not fit how Ray plays, because he will be beaten with speed nine times out of ten, and it is so frustrating to have to watch Mark McKenzie or Jack Elliott clean up his messes and try to track back. That's why there were so many runners available for Orlando in the midfield, because mm-hmm. only so many of those midfielders like Bedoya and Aronson and Montero can track back with Warren Creval already having to track the runner through the middle because one of his center backs has to run out to the right side to cover. And that's just the thing for me, because obviously that's not the case on the left side of the field. Wagner is able to track back and is super fast and has clean tackling. It's it's very put together, and I feel like the right-back position is just the missing piece on this team that would complete the style that Jim Curtin wants to play. And that changes the dynamic of how they go about games. They don't have to sit back and grind things out and just try to counterattack and be lethal at that. They can press high and get numbers into the box without feeling it as if they're vulnerable back there. That's just the way it is. I don't, I don't like to slander Ray. It's just I'm watching from an objective standpoint. I'm watching a player who is not meeting the criteria that his players are setting for themselves. And it's so hard to do that to a guy who does so much off the field and is such a likable person in any capacity. 
it's just the way it is. And if I piss anyone off, I'm sorry that I'm not sorry from a <laughs> soccer perspective. I will go back to something you said earlier. Like, you were talking about how, like, the center backs had to track back and, like, they're trying to figure out this chemistry. I do think that this game even made that harder with you start what you start with Jack Elliott on the field as a center back, you sub Craval out, you put Jack you put Glesnes in the game and move Jack Elliott to midfield. Like I think it's hard to have any sense of chemistry when you're not even sure like what position you're playing. <laughs> like where you have to like switch positions oh, yeah. in, in the middle of the game and all of that kind of stuff and then a new person gets brought in into that back line. You know, I I don't think that really cost us. I don't I don't think that that you know I think you can go back even earlier into the the absence of El Brujo to really like put a blame on that situation. But yeah, it is interesting to think about. Yeah, and it it just it speaks to how hard of a job the Union center backs have right now, and how hard of a job Jim Curtin has in trying to navigate that what works best for my team right now and a lot of there was a lot of uh shots being taken jim Curtin for the way he was going about his substitutes in that orlando game but in theory grinding out that 1-1 result really did end up being the best thing for philadelphia in regards to their standing in the knockout stage and yeah i think there was just much there, there's much worse problems you could have. It's like, oh, we didn't get nine points out of nine in a in a three-game span. Like, are you kidding me? Unacceptable. Yeah. We, we will not set the bar that high. We, w- we should never set the bar that high because you will always set yourself up for failure, and that's just not how we want to live. That's not how we want to operate. It's really not. So... Like like you said, Justin, perspective. Seven perspective. points out of nine in a regular season. That is damn good. That's yeah. damn good, and the fans should be proud of this team the way that they've played in any capacity. So it's good stuff. It is good stuff. Speaking of good stuff... Speaking of good sucking, that was me fucking up the intro, as I normally do now for Chuck Booth, who's here. Hey! How you doing, Sleepy Beauty? (laughs) Honestly, I would have rather that if I was sleeping, I was not. Aw, that sucks. That's kind of emo of you. Uh, um, well, yeah. Un- unfortunately, we'll we'll get into what I was doing off the pod. Uh, we don't have to. Nice slap in the face. I'll tell you what. Why don't you yeah. just save it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chuck, no, why don't, it, Chuck, why don't you just tell us your thoughts on the Miami and Orlando games? Yeah, yeah. Just overall, quick hit. Um, I mean, basically. Games of soccer were played, especially um, for the Orlando game. I mean, yep. Miami was just a succession of fouls happened, and a game of soccer yep. was played, and Orlando is literally a game was played. That's fair. Uh, the other thing you missed is we did briefly talk about Frank DeBoer no longer having a job. Oh, we care about that? Uh, I care enough that I thought it would be funny to mention. Ah. Uh. 
Um, unfortunately, Atlanta fans are happy, so that's not fun. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I did like that last year of being really miserable that they were stuck with the guy that didn't want to play attacking football with all these attacking footballers. So. <laughs> oh, my God. But now we have yeah. to go up against Bruce Arena, who apparently is just, like, meh God. about the Philadelphia Union. Like, do you see his comments? He's like, no, there's nothing unique about the way they play. Yeah. I mean, there's in theory, there's not, but it, it seems pretty backhand. <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, for a guy that's been coaching for like 40 years, he's seen it all by now. Sure, sure. And Makes sometimes sense. that's a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, that literally is a very on-brand comment for Arena. Yeah, for, for Boilerplate Interview 101 Bruce Arena. <laughs> When's the last time Bruce Arena talked and you're like, wow, that was interesting? Uh, I, I would say back in, like, 1990-never. Um, yeah. yeah. I was going to say when he tried to explain why the U.S. men did not make the World Cup, but... <laughs> that was interesting for other reasons. You're right, sure. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> Didn't he say some dumb stuff about not kneeling recently, too? Was that him, Ooh, I'm not even gonna try to dig into that wormhole. That's not funny. sure. Yeah, okay. I don't. I don't want to. It's not just because I won't touch the subject. It's I don't sure. want to falsely accuse Bruce Arena of being like meathead territory. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, we've got to go up against the New England Revolution, who did in their last game. They did not care at all. They kind of just were content and sitting back and letting DC just kind of like go at it themselves and try to win their own place in the knockout round. And that game was against Toronto, which, you know, drawing against Toronto 0-0 is definitely not easy to do. But the way they went about it was very passive. And you, you would expect that we see they're really good attacking players in this game against Philadelphia, and they'll try to exploit that. It's definitely going to be difficult. Well, it's always fun when supposedly a good attacking team scores two goals in three games. Yeah. I mean, you got to give them some credit. They were pretty impressive to watch last year, but, you know, nothing about them so far has screamed, oh, this is absolutely a brand new, sexy New England Revolution team. Mm. Isn't Carlos Gill hurt again? Yep. Yeah, so they're basically just going to be relying on Boo for being in the middle and trying to out-juke Mark McKenzie, which is not easy to do. No, not very. Uh, I will backtrack. Bruce Arena said that the uh, not playing the National Anthem before games is inappropriate, but he supports kneeling. So. so he wants the anthem, but he also appreciates people who want to do he stuff the during anthem, the anthem. doesn't really care what happens during it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Go, so. You know what? Fair enough. Yeah. That's that's pandering to all sides. That's probably the best answer a 68-year-old can give. That's about <laughs> the most boring answer you could give. Yeah. It's like... Bruce Arena on brand. So much like his New England Bad. Revolution team, Bruce Arena, also kind of just boring. Uh, hey, speaking of things not being there anymore, uh, the MLS today, which this is how you know that there's some actual 
movement to this one. Put out a little, uh, a little. I hate when leagues do this on behalf of themselves, almost as an aside. Hey, did you guys see that? Like all these teams in Germany and Celtic and another Belgium team want Brendan Aronson. Look at how good our players are. And these the only European thing I can think about is, well, the league Ooh. said it, so it must be happening. I mean, yeah. You, you, there's been you numerous know? sources that have been citing this now, and it seems as if there's legs to it, so... Cue the bidding war for 19-year-old Medford, New Jersey native Brendan Aronson. Mm -hmm. But do it next year, please. I would like one more year of him in Philadelphia. That'd be great. Obviously, if they want him bad enough, they're going to get him this year, and they won't be afraid yes. to shell out an extra couple million to get his services, because we all know the market is going to be an absolute shit show this season, and everyone's going to be looking for a sale. Um, you really hope that the union don't botch this, So, right? What's the, the highest out was Miggy to Newcastle for 26 and a half, we'll call it. Okay. After that, Pizarro <laughs> to Inter Miami for 12. But that's in, sorry. The second highest out was Davies to Byron for 11. Okay, now you have to think of that from this perspective. Yeah. You got Al Marone who went for more than double what Davies went for, right? Yeah, but was also but 24. And I mean, it, we're not touching either of those fees here. No? I didn't say we. I didn't say I, we were. I'm I, saying, Paul. I, you're starting a fight, and I haven't even disagreed with you. Yeah, you gotta let the man finish the sentence. <laughs> I'm cranky too, Chuck. <laughs> ah. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, I literally just say we're we're not touching those fees. Um, like I, no? I. Sh I struggle. Evan. I struggle to see more than seven getting brought in for Aronson at this time. As much as I would love to see more money. I mean, here's the thing: seven works for me absolutely. It does, especially it in this do market. It, it doesn't when NYCFC are selling people that don't even matter for seven. Well, that's a that's a. I know it was an overpayment, but like. Well, but th I mean, yeah, it's also we're, a whole we're different. also not part of the Oilfield City Football Group, so you know. I know, but that just means I'm not gonna be happy with any fee that Aronson actually fetches on the market. So the union just shouldn't sell. Yeah, what are you? No, I. They, any they, fee. Okay. Really? At, at, Anything? But what they're what they're actually gonna fetch, I am not gonna be happy with. I know it's a necessary evil because they're gonna have to sell him if this many teams are actually interested. interested. Mm -hmm. But it's not gonna be fair market value. Here's the thing, though: they don't have to sell him, and they could just be like, "Screw you, he's our boy. Yeah, Let him develop in MLS another year, and now he's 20, and or in a more open market, or he gets mad or something, and then just doesn't want to play after doing that, and then you're screwed because that 
that strikes me as the selfish Brendan Aronson that we've all come to hate, right? No, that doesn't strike me at all. He's played he's played in this academy for almost a decade now. Like but he's been yeah. in the system for <laughs> Dude, I, hi, dude, Justin. I can't wait for Justin and I to just come in and be like, this is what's actually going to happen and be so, right. So, two transfer fees to throw at you because I think they actually are comparable to what's happening. Do it. Tyler Adams was $3 million and Matt Miazga was $5 million. So, mm. four? So, well, so here's, here's even another one. Steph in the city for seven and a half. So right there, you're already in. If you eliminate Al Marone, clearly like setting the curve way too high. Yeah. Um, you're looking at an average of around six to seven for solid MLS talent yes. to go overseas. But I would argue that Brendan Aronson is not solid MLS talent. Like, he's a guy who's early in his career and has played basically at this point one full season. For the senior team so I I mean I think at this point they're I mean that three million number four million something like that I think would be more well and and I think the only thing where you can look at Aronson and go that needs to be so much better yeah. um, is his finishing mm-hmm I mean, despite the fact that he has assisted on a number of goals and has had some nice finishes himself, if he develops that final product, it's undeniable. The talent's undeniable because his off the ball and his reading of the ball coming to his feet and being able to work around any defender that tries to body him is pretty, pretty good. And you just can't really teach that. It's just, it's instinct. And that's really what draws European suitors because when you can surround a player like that with really good talent, all Brendan has to do is dummy a guy to get around the ball in open space and then play someone in. And boom, you have a machine in your midfield who's still young and trying to figure out what his definite role should be because we've seen him play the 10. We've seen him play a shuttling position, and we've seen him even run out on the wing sometimes. It's just, it, the ceiling is super high for Brendan if he develops that finishing product. So, uh, But if the market is going to be like three or four and that's the offers you're getting, I say screw it. I, I say you keep them and you put in one of your best seasons that you've ever put forward as a franchise and you tell all those European teams, Hey, if you really like this kid, you watch what he can do for us and envision what he can do for you when he's 20 and come back to us with a reasonable offer that we would be willing to flip. Because if you get more than six or 7 million for Aronson, I mean, think about what you paid for Montero. Right? Like, you can yeah. instantly fill that 10 position with a very high caliber MLS talent, or very high caliber talent that would thrive in this union system. Well, and you did it, it it's free. just there's been four fees in MLS history, basically, of more than 6 million outgoing. 
the the odds of that happening are so low. I am pinning this audio for na 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 boo boo. I told you so. You have Joe. You have Josie Altador, Zach Steffen, Alfonso Davies, and Miguel Almiron. So I mean, all right. Add Brendan Aronson to the list. Uh, all right, let me bring this back to vague reality, Bill. Um, <laughs> Chuck, you said you will not be happy with anything they get. What is the number that you would have to get to sell him at? I mean, so that's the problem is that okay. <laughs> is that I don't have an answer. <laughs> no, I have an answer because right. the, the answer it's not, it's not, because it's not the answer to give that to the you. An- it's just what's the answer? Yeah, the answer that you would need to sell him at is seven all right i just don't think that's attainable it i would i'm i'm gonna be really interested to see what the response to this is i I, i'm trying to i I get where you're coming from but yeah let's be clear that i am assuming that if this interest is as serious as it's being laid out to be that aronson is gone this year sure yeah Okay. Weren't, weren't you just saying like maybe three or four minutes ago when we were talking about the okay. six to seven range that you wouldn't be happy with That's that? That's not what I asked him though. But Remember, you, yeah. hi, I'm trying to get back grounded. I'm just asking what number people are happy. What number do you need to get on your desk tomorrow to sell him? Not what is going to happen. Okay. So right. Paul. Fair. What Fair. number do you need to get? as your new role as Ernst Tanner for a day from insert Bundesliga or Celtic or whoever, like the, like gank in Belgium or whoever the hell, what, what number do you need to see for you to sign off on, on that transfer? To acquire the United States Kai Havertz as translated poorly by the Eintracht Frankfurt uh, article. Uh, yeah, yes. no, did you, did you see that? That's what uh, it translated to pretty uh, weird. Uh, I'm right with Chuck. I would say 7 million would be, just I love fine. That when phrasing changes ever so slightly, you guys agree with things. Yeah. Justin, <laughs> same question to you. What that's is why the we've number? been friends for so many years. We bicker about stuff, but in, in theory, we're on to the be same like, team. No, the question is this, and then you're like, "Well, yeah, seven. Justin, what is the what is the magic number? The number I. Sorry, ask me the question again. The number I want or the number I'm you are, willing to you sell You are Ernst for? Tanner. What is the number that gets you to sign the piece of paper that gives Brendan Aronson to random team in Europe? Sadly, yeah. for me, probably closer yeah. to two and a half. No wow. way. Is that, is, that a, is that a you can have him for two and a half or is that a we can talk about it two and a half? Uh, that that means I'm starting to ask for five, six, seven million, but depending what okay. it comes to, if these teams are gonna keep pushing, mm. I'm gonna take two and a half million dollars because I can do a lot with that in MLS. Sure. To have a successful team, yeah. I'm just like looking at these other like looking at these other players around the same age, like, and I can't like I'm looking at all these transfer fees, and I can't find anybody who makes sense kind of at that 10 to like kind of makes sense I, this is what i mean i don't i don't know i mean but like 
looking at it like um, uh, DeAndre Yedlin had had like two seasons, maybe even three seasons of like success in yeah. in MLS and had yeah. 2.86 was his to Spurs. Tyler Adams, same thing, 2.89 to uh, to where he is now. I can't even think of where that is. Like, but, you know, and like other than that, like attacking midfielders like Freddie Adu got 1.6 to Benfica <laughs> like right I mean this is not like a Freddie Montero got 1.25 to Sporting CP like yeah. you're not looking at these high level transfer fees to you know to that position yeah I mean that, I mean, that position uh... I mean, but the market has also inflated so much that yep. transfer fees are getting broken every year, you know? Like, and and yep. I get that there's going to be people trying to look for sales, but, like, it's going to have to be meet me in the middle, which mm-hmm. if you're looking at that, you know, you're there's a European bidding war for a 19-year-old American talent at, at high-profile clubs in Europe. Allegedly. Allegedly. So if you think his value is around 2.53 and the union want to be like, you're looking for a deal and you don't want to pay 20 or 30 million because you honestly can't afford it if you want to do a revamp. So we're going to ask for nine or 10. Well, they're going to meet you in the middle at six or seven. And I think the other weird thing is, is too, is that if you look at a lot of these, I'm honest to God, I think Justin's probably doing the same. If you get a transfermark.us, you can just find the <laughs> departures yeah. on MLS. And it's a really interesting list. I, I think the other thing is that if you look at all these departures, most of them, except for Clint Dempsey, Marisa Du, and Josie, have happened in the last five years. Most have also come from Red Bulls or Atlanta United who are bigger names than the well, union I, as well. I, I, I'm, also just, I'm also just looking at America. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, the, the reason the union are going to get shafted is because they okay. don't have a globally recognized name. Uh, I, don't ev- I don't think that... It matters. ...is as relevant... <sighs> when you're... Um, when you have things I, like I Rebels, City Football Group, and Atlanta just, like, blew up on the scene like immediately because well, they had Tatamatia um, like. backing you it makes a difference in the transfer market the and the cuz the only player when you're looking at these top guys really mm-hmm. that wasn't at least a heavy US national team guy it, who broke on was Davies but he's just considered you know the future of Canada which helps too I don't you know, I can't agree with you there, I just think but Aaron, uh, I don't want to. Aronson has a lot of competition at that position, even in the U.S. Like, you look at, yeah. I mean, you, like, you look at guys like Paxton Pomacall, and, like, you look at these guys, like, in the U.S., so if, if the union asks too high of a transfer fee, well, they're just going to go to FC Dallas and be like, hey, can we have Paxton Pomacall? Like, it's, I mean, and, and Dallas might be like, yeah, we have eight other academy players coming through right. in the next three years. So sure, you could have Paxton Pomacall for one point five million. Well, and and my point too was that the MLS is very much a unknown. 
like if you're the union, I think a part of you is is thinking, well, are you just coming here so that you don't have to spend twenty million dollars on a nineteen year old center attacking midfielder because we're the league in America? Yes. You know, and and no, I don't think if you put Brendan Aronson with, uh, you know, fucking Southampton's academy, that he's going to suddenly fetch you twenty million dollars. No. Um, and I I don't necessarily as much as I see the point of Red Bull and City Football Group and and even I guess Atlanta United to a to a lesser extent have people in different countries in Europe that can play a little bit of the game and that can go hey you know this kid's really good like we we really see a future for him at Leipzig or we really see a future for him at uh, Melbourne City or whatever I, I don't think just because the union don't have guys there they're gonna get really hurt in the transfer market I, I think Aronson making a splash at the actually I think if anything Greg Berhalter is gonna fuck the union over because his men's national team hasn't done anything in like three years yeah and it's not like the union really have to act like they've been there in this regard it's right. you're coming you're the ones coming to us like it's not like we're going out there flaunting Brendan Aronson going who wants um it's yeah. no we're we've been trying to get him in the first team for as long as we could remember and the the whole allure around him is that he's been in this academy since he was 10, and now we're watching the final product develop before our eyes. And we're very happy to see it, and we'd be very happy to watch it continue to grow. It's the European market that's coming to our door. So the union can kind of set their standard of what they believe he's worth. And like I said, in this market where you would have to pay 20-something million for a guy over in Europe or from South America to come over to your team, you bite your tongue on six or seven and you say, you know what, we can develop talent enough over here in Europe that we give this 19-year-old kid a chance to develop and we can really turn him into something. And that that seems like why the interest is so high and why so many people are talking about it now at least because there's always been the vague mystery like oh Mark McKenzie might be secretly being recruited by Celtic now it's out there it is out there that multiple teams want Brendan and game recognizes game game doesn't recognize a brand like that's just that's just the way it is he's been put on a national stage here because there's so little competitive soccer going on right now at this moment that if he's on a pedestal and teams want to notice it they don't give a shit what jersey he's wearing they see that the kid can ball and that's what matt i think that's what matters more than being a recognized franchise because how many european how many european snobs are going to say you know they get a guy from atlanta united and they're like who like, it's always going to be the thing with MLS. Like, he's from MLS. It's a farmer's league. Screw it. Yeah, but they, and then they go over there and prove him wrong. They, <laughs> it's they, just like, that's the way it is. I mean, no one cares about who, what the fans are thinking when they're actually making those buys. And Almiron is 100% a chief carrier of that, considering it took um, basically two full seasons for him to actually come good for Newcastle. Um, yeah. But they look at him and they see that this is a bargain that we can exploit right now yeah yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I don't know I think 
there's going to have to be a there, it's going to have to be a compromise on Sorry. either side. I just and I just think prepare to be disappointed on the fee that is brought in for him. Because that also translates to the okay, he's 19 and watch his ceiling skyrocket to the point where he's like a 24 year old player in Europe and now he's fetching like 30 or 40 million dollars to make a Premier League move. And we're like, oh, I can't believe we couldn't get more for him when he was 19 during a global pandemic. That's not. Well, and I I think the other thing, too, is we don't know what the union would do with that kind of windfall. True. I mean, they've never had to deal with a transfer fee of this magnitude. Well, and not even that. It's never just been, I guess, until Miro, it's never just been, oh, yeah, here's, you know, two and a half million. Go get it. Because you have a team with expectations and you have one or two pieces that you go, hey, if this got a little better, if we could add somebody in off the bench or, or whatever, like we'll be in a really good in a really good place. Um, you haven't had that. You also haven't had that because you lost somebody for a big amount of money. But, you know, so I don't think it's just, oh, let's get sad about the number or let's get ready to have seven million in the bank or whatever. I think it's going to come down to, well, what do you do with it? And, and that might take two or three years. So it might even be a two or three year thing before we figure out if this was a good idea or not. I mean, here's the thing for me, right? I think thinking about this and trying to like, I don't know, put it in context. I think if you're wanting five to seven million or, or six to eight million, whatever, for Brendan Aronson, I think you get six to eight million between Brendan Aronson and Mark McKenzie. I think of you put the two of them together, all of a sudden you have you're going to get $8 million worth of transfer fees. But I think the difference is you're selling you're selling McKenzie as a 21, 22, depending how old he is at the time, you're selling McKenzie as a 21, 22-year-old established MLS center back, which I think in general on the world stage is much more... The talents and skills are much more transferable between a 10 who is maybe not that creative but can do stuff in MLS versus a center back who can probably dominate in most leagues. That That's an absolutely great point because it does... I, I, and it's funny because there is so much allure. It's like we're seeing multiple teams in the market for Brendan. It's not like only Celtic is in the market for Mark McKenzie. Like Clearly other teams are noticing that he is also a very good center back. But it's always just the whole... like oh, this kid's doing spins with the ball and bagging assists and, like, that's sexy, that's cool, you know? And, like, you know, the center back is never a sexy position, you know? Obviously, you watch Liverpool pay a king's ransom for Van Dijk, and it's you see what he's done for that squad as, as a defender, like the heart of the defense. Uh, Mark McKenzie can be a general in a back line in pretty much most leagues, and it will translate damn near close to immediately i mean there's so a... it, it is funny to talk about the weighted difference of the market values how we're rating brendan around six or eight million but we haven't even discussed what we would do for mark mckenzie yeah i mean i think the reality is for center backs too like the reality is you don't see those big transfer fees for center backs because once a team has a center back pairing or a center back that they really like they're not moving him you know like madrid is not moving sergio ramos barcelona 
did not move Carlos Puyol, did not move, um, you know, like, they're not moving these players who are central to their teams, and that's what I think McKenzie can do. Like, he could go over to a Celtic, play there for two years, and then become, if he continues to develop, I, I think he could become the center back to a... A highly successful, and I'm not talking top six necessarily, but highly successful Premier League team. And then he sits there for ten years. You know, he's not going to get moved after four, after three or four. You know, but that's what I think. McKenzie is just a different player, and I think can actually fetch a higher a, a higher transfer fee on the world stage. Um, not say Brendan's not a good player. I just don't think mm-hmm. he's the ten that a lot of European teams are looking for. Fair enough. Uh, any closing thoughts, gentlemen? Uh, Chuck, don't worry. I already talked about Ray Gaddis, so we cover that. Ah, uh, uh, yes, I was so concerned. I know you were, bud. I just wanted to fill you in. No worries. I got you. Ju- uh, Justin, do you have anything? I do not. I do not. I'm great, good. great. Um, I would like to go on a little bit of a rant because, <laughs> you know what? I don't know where Mayor Humdinger is getting all this money to fund vital services that are being performed by a talking adolescent boy and all of these fucking puppies. What? What on earth are you talking about? That was a reference to Paw Patrol. <laughs> that guy is spending irresponsible. And, and you know, really, I think his seat is in trouble come election year. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. People with children are going to love that. <laughs> I can't wait for Matt Ralph to be like, why did you have to do that to me? Um, End yeah, so, the podcast. So that's my rant. My rant, I hope that people got a little concerned when I said mayor. That was the, that was the point. And then when I started referencing a children's television show, um, I hope they went, well, this guy's clearly got some problems. And because I do. Oh, yeah. I don't know why you're talking right now. People have probably turned this off already. <laughs> they they should have done. And what they can do is they can tell us when they tuned out by tweeting us at the FTB pod. Hey. Okay, great. Until then. Uh, shout, shout out to all of our sponsors, our amazing, beautiful yep. sponsors. Yep. <laughs> Roughneck Scarves, Icarus FC, BGN.FM. You guys all made that very powerful rant about a fake mayor in a fake television show made by Canadians who are a fake people. <laughs> wow. Happened. All right. Yeah. Have a great week. Thank guys. you so much for coming. Tune in the next Alfonso week when we discuss global economics. <laughs> what is this? And the yep. stock market. We're done. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Views from the Bridge. None of this would be possible without the help of our network, the Beautiful Game Network, and our sponsors. Over at BGN and BGN-FM, you can find lots of soccer writing, podcasts, and other content. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, which is also the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. You can also get dope squads for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit For your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team, Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.
One of the really cool things about the internet is that it doesn't matter how you get your podcast. We're everywhere. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. If you have a platform, we're on it. It's awesome. But what's really great is that you can subscribe and you can leave reviews. And even if they're bad reviews, send them over. Give us your reviews. Tell us how you feel. If you want to do that directly and not through a podcast app, you're certainly welcome to. We have a Twitter. We have a Facebook. VFTB Pod. Let us know. Give us a shout. Tell us that we're terrible. Find some statistical air about Chaco Maidana that we brought up five weeks ago. It's all good, baby. We got it. No worries. And, hey, if you want to email it to us, vftvpod at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts after a match. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Make this what you want to see in the world out of a union podcast. We're independent. No one's here to tell us what to do. We got you. vftvpod on the Twitters and the Facebooks and vftvpod at gmail.com. And we'll talk soon, all right? If you would like to help us keep coming out with this awesome content for you guys, feel free to throw us a couple dollars at our Ko-Fi just to help us, you know, grab a drink, unwind. We love meeting up with each other, but it's very hard to do because we live far away and (laughs) we need a reason to just meet up randomly. And it would definitely help over a couple beers that you guys can help us with at Ko-Fi slash VFTBpod. That is ko-fi.com slash vftvpod. You can also grab some of our merch at our design tree. Uh, We have a lot of great designs and new ones coming out very soon. Um, If you want to pick up any of them, go to dzgntree.com and just search vftb. You'll find us right there. That is all from us from Views from the Bridge for Chuck Justin and Evan, I am Paul. Thank you for listening. Until next time, have a great day.